4: It is indeed the Bob France Authority and hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the second morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2019. Yes, I cannot say that often enough. And I love that report today, uh, that we got, uh, from Jerry Boykin. I believe his name was, uh, that was phenomenal. So, uh, we move onward now into 2019 with all kinds of national security questions that have to be answered. The president of the United States has a bold, and some might say, foolhardy strategy of combating terrorism going forward into the new year by pulling our 2,000 troops, highly specialized forces, from Syria, where they have been battling ISIS and trying to bring stability to that very uh, tumultuous region of the world for the last several years. So the president says we're pulling the troops out. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, who has been in lockstep with the president in so many ways in recent months, said that was a foolish mistake that was Obama-esque. It was what Obama would have done, and in fact Obama did do um, when it comes to Iraq. But after a sit-down luncheon with the President, Senator Graham has changed his tune, at least somewhat.
2: I think the President has uh, come up with a plan with his generals that makes sense to me. The goal is to make sure ISIS doesn't come back. We left Iraq too soon. Uh, we had him on the ropes in Iraq, left too soon. I think the President's very committed to making sure that when we leave Syria that ISIS is completely defeated and we're inside the 10-yard line and the Iran-Kurd situation has to be dealt with. So I think we're in a pause situation where we're reevaluating what's the best way to to achieve the president's objective of having people pay more and do more. So,
4: Senator Graham is calling it a pause situation, looking for more assistance from other countries. Is that the right antidote, or uh, prescription rather, is that the antidote for the terror that continues to plague us from that region? Joining us to analyze now is our friend Ryan Morrow from the Clarion Project, online at clarionproject.org. He's the chairman of the Clarion Intelligence Network as well, and he joins us right here on AM 1420. The answer for the first time in 2019. Ryan, good morning.
1: Good morning. Happy New Year.
4: Happy New Year to you as well. I hope it's a happy new year. I really do. I, I've, I've got some high hopes. I don't know if I have enough of the requisite optimism that we're going to get there, though, because there are so many things uh, uh, that this country is dealing with right now. But um, all we can do is take them one at a time, and that's what I want to do with you as we get started, Ryan. Um, actually, let me backtrack on that. Before we get started on that, can I get an update from you? Can I get a viewer count or something that would let us know how incredibly successful finding the Mountain of Moses has been for you?
1: Yes. Uh, So we are now at over 250,000 views, which for... A video that is based on, uh, on a bit of a niche. Um, is, is quite impressive, and we haven't spent really any money. I think I spent 20 bucks on advertising. Um, so that documentary is doing very well, Finding the Mountain of Moses. Um, and so um, I, I'm thrilled with it. And then the response that we get uh, behind the scenes from people that uh, strategize with us and want to help in the future, that's equally as encouraging.
4: That is phenomenal, and I want to encourage everybody, once again, to go to your website that you have put together specifically for this film and for evidence and photographs and more facts uncovered in your search to uh, to go to SinaiInArabia.com, Sinai, uh, S-I-N-A-I for Mount Sinai, SinaiInArabia.com. It is absolutely something. If you're a person of faith, This may strengthen your faith. If you are not a person of faith, this may give you faith. When you see physical evidence of the book of Exodus as it is written, that's what Ryan went in search for and has presented his findings of. It is tremendous. Okay, now to the uh, work at hand. The president, of course, has announced, as we know, right before the end of the uh, old year, That he's going to pull the troops from Syria and is contemplating pulling a significant number, most of the troops from Afghanistan, saying it's time to turn those uh, countries back over to others to let them try to uh, uh, deal with the problems that are presented there. We have done enough uh, and we cannot do any more. And I I talked to you a little bit about this last week, but I'd like to get more in depth from you on the impact that will have on the, the, the security and the stability of the region. And obviously, moreover, the more important thing that we all care about is what kind of an impact will it have on the security of the United States and our interests all around the world?
1: Right. I, I could really write a small book just listing all of the negative ramifications of these decisions. Um, and I think there are more negative decisions to follow. Um, I think that well, in these wars, you sometimes have bad days and president trump does not have measured responses to anything so in some cases his responses are over the top can be over the top good and in some cases they can be very bad um... and his impulses right now is to withdraw and just be done with these fights overseas uh... and so my inclination is to believe that uh, when there are bad days in iraq uh... in the days coming forward uh, partially due to the decision to pull out the two thousand troops from syria uh, i I think that's actually going to encourage him to say, All right, well, to hell with Iraq too um and especially if there are if there isn't a disastrous scenario immediately in Syria or Afghanistan as the withdrawal happens now, Senator Graham is doing something smart because uh, I think he understands that there hasn't been as far as we can tell a significant shift in trump's strategy, but Senator Graham understands with Trump you can't be true negative all the time, because he really pounced on them. And if you want to maintain your relationship with the president, you can do that for a little while, but it can't go on too long. And as soon as there's any type of encouraging moment, even if it's just a slow pause or, or a statement, then you've got to overdo your compliments. To make up for the criticism that you had, I mean, you have to handle them very delicately. Um, And I think Senator Graham has figured out how to have the right social skill there. Um, But according to the reports that are coming out, this slowdown is, it's not a massive slowdown. Basically, even Turkey, I think, was surprised by how after the conversation between Erdogan and Trump, how Trump the next day got up and said, okay, we're, we're leaving, and basically leaving as soon as possible. And even Erdogan was like, all right, that's a little bit dramatic. Even, even though that's in the interest of Erdogan. Um, part of the reason that he favors that pause is just because Erdogan's preparing to ground right now. Uh, he has his proxies going into some Kurdish areas, um, getting ready to invade, but some are already kind of going in there. And he's in the midst of basically dividing up Syria between Assad and the Iranians and himself. Uh, so, Erdogan's welcoming a slowdown. So, Trump is, is saying, okay, well, we can slow down a little bit, but it's not because of any pro American advantage.
4: Ryan Morris, our guest, the chairman of the Clarion Intelligence Network. Um, tell my neighbor, the mechanic, and my buddy, the accountant, and my uh, old high school classmate, the teacher, um, who have no earthly idea who Erdogan is. And no earthly idea what, uh, why we should be concerned about him, and who believe that it is time to bring our boys home. We've done enough over there. It's just let somebody else fight that fight down. Tell them, tell people who are lay people, and, and, and to some extent that's me, just you know, in relation to you and your history and your knowledge of the, this history and, uh, and the ongoing affairs there. Tell them why Erdogan matters so much and how huge it is, what you just said, that he has told the president, not so fast, not yet. We want to make this the, the best strategic decision for us.
1: Right. Erdogan is the slickest, most politically savvy, arguably the most successful jihadist that I've seen in my lifetime, for sure. Uh, To the point where even when he makes big mistakes, he somehow bounces back very, very quickly. Um, And and if I'm trying to think of like a a comparison in Hollywood so that people can understand how he operates, Um, I would say if you've ever seen Dark Knight Rises and you see how Bane manipulates the masses, against Batman and, and, and law enforcement, it, it, it's kind of similar to Erdogan, where his guy can kind of, you don't see him as a major player. Uh, most people don't know what he even looks like or how to pronounce his name or anything, uh, but with the right messaging and, and being highly skilled in manipulation and preying upon the, understanding the culture of the people he's trying to reach, um, you can cause chaos in in his favor, and his objective is to create a, Turkish Caliphate. He may not call it a caliphate because you're not, there's no reason to if it's going to lead to a backlash. You might call it Islamic Union or whatever. Um, But but that's his objective. So it's a similar objective to ISIS, um, but a, a bit less brutal so that it can be more successful.
4: Ryan Morris, our guest national security analyst at the Clarion Project and the chairman of the Clarion Intelligence Network. I I talked with my friend uh, Claire Lopez last week, Ryan. I don't know if I brought this up to you or not. So if I'm being redundant here, my apologies. But I talked to Claire. She saw the Syrian troop withdrawal very, very differently from the Afghani troop withdrawal. She thought it was, like you, it's a terrible mistake to pull the troops out of Syria uh, for a lot of the same reasons you just did. But she sees the Afghanistan situation very, very differently and says uh, there is very, very little that we can do right now. And I, and I can't paraphrase her. She's too deep uh, for even for me to understand without listening to her again and processing it word by word. Uh, but just paraphrasing then, essentially, that uh, Afghanistan is a different story. And this might be a time for at least a limited de-escalation there Um, do you see the separation there that she does or do you see them almost identically
1: I see them almost identical and that's because I fully understand the frustration of those that say look we've been there so long we tried it didn't work doesn't make sense um, but I, I don't see what the, the better alternative is. So if you pull your troops out um, and and it doesn't go well, which is what basically everyone agrees will happen, the Taliban takes over maybe everything but Kabul or, or probably takes that over, too, Yeah. then what's next? And the answer is uh, the Pakistani jihadists are empowered, and Pakistan becomes destabilized. They either become a puppet of the jihadists, and therefore the nuclear weapons are in the hands of the jihadists indirectly, Or the Pakistani government defies the jihadists that it has sponsored, and then possibly gets overthrown, or at least there's enough chaos, and then the nuclear weapons go loose. So, no matter which way it goes, or Pakistan attacks India as a distraction...
4: Uh, Ryan, go deeper on Pakistan. Most people don't know whether they're our allies or our enemies. Are they with us to help us combat the Taliban and the jihadists that are in uh, Afghanistan? Or uh, are they part of that problem? Because when you describe them as potentially becoming a puppet of the jihadis, I've seen many people who actually, and and people who study this for a living, who actually have declared them already as such.
1: Right. Well, Pakistan, there's a divided government where you actually have part of the intelligence service competing against another part of the intelligence service and law enforcement. So you'll have one section that's protecting the jihadists, and then the other section that is hunting them and thinks the government's behind them, but actually there's an element then protecting the terrorists. So it's a cat-and-mouse game. Uh, but overall, Pakistan is, is an enemy, uh, and certainly state sponsor of extremism with all their madrasas. They have been vicious towards... Terrorists that step over the line and focus on Pakistan. So the Pakistani branch of the Taliban and groups that ally with them, the Pakistani government is is forced to go after them, and they're very brutal. But the vast majority of the jihadist infrastructure that controls hundreds of hospitals and schools within Pakistan goes untouched. Uh, And and then from there, the, the ramifications are global. So, so it's a little complicated, but overall, basically, they they are pro-jihadist, except for when the jihadists uh, attack them, and then if you attack them, they bat, they they blow them up. Um, but actually even then, there, there are times where the jihadist groups that Pakistan supports and, and then turns against them and then they just strike a deal. Um, so overall they're in the enemy camp. But it, another point that I would emphasize about this whole thing is that we know that this, the withdrawal decision in Syria and then also probably Afghanistan just because you logically follow one to the other, uh, what well came after a call between Erdogan and Trump, which I found disturbing that, like, Erdogan is your advisor to the point where you- Yeah. Go against Bolton, and you go against Mattis, and, and, and everything you learned, and all everyone had to do was say, the Kurds are terrorists, and I'll take care of ISIS, let me have a shot at it, and you can pull out. Uh, and, and he knew how to say that, and probably in a way that appealed to Trump's own personal ideology. And the Kurds there, it's not just the Kurds, it's a coalition of Arabs and Christians, And the Christian forces there are saying that there are 100,000 Christians in that area run by the Kurds that Turkey wants to attack.
4: That is a terrifying prospect, and that is a really, really great analysis. By the way, you mentioned the name Bolton. It's my understanding he's going next week on a trip to Israel and Turkey. I don't know what the goal is. I don't know if he will meet with Erdogan, but it'll be very interesting to see if he handles Erdogan differently than the commander-in-chief himself, the man that John Bolton actually reports to does. So we'll talk about that. You think he's going rogue?
1: I think he has to. It's the only way he can be in that administration and have any type of, you know, moral foundation. I think when he goes to Erdogan, he's saying to himself, I'm going to be tougher than Trump is. I've got to be the the bad cop here.
4: And maybe that's the best thing in the world. Uh, In fact, I would argue that it probably is. Uh, But that trip is scheduled to happen next week. We'll see what comes out of it, and perhaps we'll be able to analyze that at that time. Ryan Morrow, thank you so much for your time, sir.
5: Thank you.
4: You got it, Ryan Morrow, Clarion Intelligence Pro- or Clarion Intelligence Network, rather, and the Clarion Project. Uh, let's uh, get a quick timeout for traffic. Come right back on AM fourteen twenty. Hey, so this is a brief story here before the bottom of the hour that I wish I didn't have. This came across about an hour ago and it's a local story of anti-Semitism that you can't really even contemplate. A Cleveland Clinic resident, meaning a physician in training, has been fired after online threats were discovered in which she threatened to give Jewish people quote, the wrong meds, end quote. She despises Jewish people and actually pondered giving them the wrong medications, obviously to harm them. Her name is Lara Kalab or Kolab. I'm not certain how, the, how to pronounce that. I am relatively certain of her mindset. Her anti-Semitic comments were first documented by Canary Mission, which is a group that examined social media to find anti-Semitic and anti-Israel remarks, especially those that could be dangerous. Among the comments... Attributed to this physician resident at Cleveland Clinic were threats to mistreat, mistreat Jewish patients, saying, quote, ha-ha, ew, I'll purposely give all the Jews the wrong meds. In multiple other posts on Twitter, she called for violence against the Jewish people, calling them dogs, comparing them to, ironically, Nazis. And minimizing the Holocaust, quote, look, Haifa is sweet slash nice, but it's full of Jewish dogs and it looks like America, meaning it wasn't that special to me. I don't mean to sound insensitive, she wrote, but I have a really hard time feeling bad about Holocaust as the people who were in it now kill my people, end quote. She was fired summarily once these were discovered by Cleveland Clinic, as you can imagine. She then deleted her social media accounts, but many of them have already been preserved. These tweets and comments have already been preserved. She still has a medical license. It will expire in June of 2021. Let's hope to God, literally to God, that this anti-Semitic, Jew hater who is actually threatening to use her position as a physician to harm Jews by giving them the wrong medications. Let's hope she never finds employment or never sees another patient as long as that license is active. We'll learn more about her as time goes on, but that story just from this morning, disturbing, but something you needed to hear. 1031, now news time on AM 1420, the end.
0: There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth you are experiencing. The truth. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
4: Yes, indeed. Ten thirty five now. AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks for being a part of our conversation today. We'll go to the phones asap. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Mitt Romney is back. He has made his return to the national political stage as a senator elect from Utah. He'll take office tomorrow, but he got a jump start on um essentially replacing the liberal slash rhinos uh who are leaving the Senate. The likes of Jeff Flake and Bob Corker. Their legacies are safe in the form of Mitt Romney. He started out with an op-ed ripping. President Donald Trump in the uber liberal Washington Post. I'll share that with you after we take some phone calls. Bob is in Brexville. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Happy New Year to you, Bob. How are you, sir? Hello, Robert.
6: This is Jerry. I uh, Brexville.
4: Oh, I've got Bob on my screen. Sorry about that, sir. Go ahead, Jerry. Uh,
6: uh, you know, Schumer uh, made a two thousand nine speech on immigration.
4: He's made uh, many speeches on immigration. Yes.
6: Yeah, and you play every morning. You play Ronald Reagan's speech, which is excellent. I love it. But I think what you ought to play Schumer's speech from two oh nine, where he was for immigration. Uh, for, was,
4: you mean you mean for you mean against immigration against illegal against, immigration
6: against against immigration. Yeah, it right. Make him answer and make him answer for that. And one other thing, Bob. I'm a I'm ninety two <laughs> years old. I'm a veteran of World War Two. And I absolutely resent all these immigrants coming over here, ruining what we fought for. I mean, uh, it's just disgusting to me. I don't know why the American Legion, the VFW, and and people don't get together like that. And plus the fact, baseball made a lot of trades now. Why can't we trade guys like Mitch McConnell and and Ryan? And trade him for some minor leaguers uh, like uh, maybe uh, Heather McDonald, Michelle Malkin, <laughs> uh, Tucker Carlson, Lou Dobbs, all the guys. Uh, can't we make some trades uh, like baseball and football does?
4: Well, I'll tell you what, I like the way you think. Unfortunately, the Constitution doesn't let us do it quite that way. We have to elect the Heather McDonald's of the world if she ever were to want to run or Tucker Carlson. Of course, some of them I have to say, though, Jerry, and, and thank you. God bless you for your service, my friend, and thank you for your call, too. Uh, some of them, I dare say, might be more valuable in their present positions. You know, I mean, Ted Cruz, by just as an example... You know, was floated as a possible Attorney General for the President of the United States. Uh, he was floated as a possible Supreme Court Justice. And I've said, <laughs> I don't, I don't, excuse me, I don't want to limit him because his value in the United States Senate is, is too high that he's too, you know, you, you don't want to take him out of that spot. Same thing with Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions may not have been the right answer at Attorney General, but the fact that President Trump appointed him and he took it, Took him out of the Senate, which he, it's a greater loss than it than could have been a gain for us. I don't want to lose valuable people in their roles. To that end, I say the likes of Tucker Carlson being on TV every night, he's very valuable in that role. Maybe more valuable than he could be serving in an administration or in the United States Senate or the Congress in any other way. So some people, I want to leave them alone right where they are. Uh, so to, to the other point about um, Chuck Schumer, I have played that audio clip actually uh multiple times i've played that clip multiple times talking about the one from uh uh from uh 2009 so now 10 years ago uh in which he did he advocated or he opposed rather um he opposed uh, uh illegal immigration he opposed even referring to illegal immigrants as um Undocumented immigrants, the way so many of us do, and we are called bigots and we are called uh, racists and everything else for daring to say these people are illegal aliens. I played that on this program last week multiple times, and here's someone who has to play it next. Not me. President Trump. President Trump needs to play Chuck Schumer's words from 2009 and then go on and play it on national television as a part of his. Oval Office address. He needs to have an 8 p.m. Oval Office address on every network, and he needs to not only lay out the cost of illegal immigration, lay out the cost in terms of lives, lay out the cost in terms of amounts of drugs brought here, amounts of gang members, criminals, and so on and so forth, dollars spent on illegal aliens in this country, and then he needs to play this and say, as we try to figure out how best to secure the border, tell me, American voters tell me american constituents how am i as president donald trump supposed to negotiate with a guy who says there will never be a border wall
3: nine years after saying all of this the american people are fundamentally pro legal immigration and anti-illegal immigration illegal immigration is wrong plain and simple when we use phrases like undocumented workers We convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration, which the American people overwhelmingly oppose. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong, and we have to change it. Above all, does he not sound exactly like Donald Trump in
4: 2018 and 2016 when he ran, 2015 when he ran, and now? He sounds exactly the same.
3: Keep listening. ...else... The American people want their government to be serious about protecting the public, enforcing the rule of law, and creating a rational system of legal immigration that will proactively fit our needs rather than reactively responding to future waves of illegal immigration. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally.
4: See, today... When we talk about illegal aliens, we are called bigots, racists. No one is illegal. Everyone is legal. Aliens makes them sound like they're from another planet. Aliens makes them sound like they're non-human. You can't keep doing that. Don't call them that. That's what we're told. Chuck Schumer was dressing
3: people down for daring to say undocumented as recently as 2009. 2009. The American people will never accept immigration reform unless they truly believe that their government is committed to ending future illegal immigration and any success.
4: How can we be committed to ending future illegal immigration when you won't provide funds by way of a few votes in the United States Senate, Chuck Schumer, to pay for border security? Nine years ago, he's telling the American people, we can't move forward unless we stop future illegal immigrants from coming in. That's nine years ago. Nine years later, or ten years now that we're into 2019, but today, President Trump is saying, let's do that. Let's stop future illegal immigrants from coming in. Let's stop future illegal aliens. And Chuck Schumer says, no. No money. No wall. Why? What changed from then to now? Here's more
3: as the comprehensive immigration reform bill must recognize this fact. Any immigration solution must recognize that we must do as much as we can to gain control of our borders as soon as possible. But we also need to set the record straight. The American people need to know that because of our efforts in Congress, our border is far more secure today than it was when we began debating comprehensive reform in 2005. Between 2005 and 2009, a vast amount of progress has been made on our borders and ports of entry. The progress includes 9,000 new Border Patrol field field agents in the last four years, construction of a 630-mile border fence, or 630 miles of border fence, that create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. I want to make sure that everybody heard
4: that correctly. In 2009, Chuck Schumer was bragging bragging about building funding the building of 600 plus miles of border fence barriers that make it significantly more difficult to come into the United States illegally along our southern land border he bragged about how much harder it is to come in when you have one of those. Today, the same lying, hypocritical Schumer says that a border wall would do no good. Border wall is not necessary. Border wall won't save anything, stop anything anyway. How can we let him get away with this? And I understand the point that Jerry made when he called me and said, Bob, you need to play Schumer. And I do. But I can only reach a certain amount of people. The president can reach all the people. The president can reach three hundred and twenty million people with a primetime address. Play Chuck Schumer's words. Hold him to account for his own language. What changed from then to now? We know the answer to that question. We know exactly what changed. Donald Trump exists now. And Donald Trump's president. And if he gets the border barrier, which Chuck Schumer himself said is very effective. It'll help him get reelected. And that's something Chuck Schumer will not stand for. Chuck Schumer and the Senate Democrats want American safety compromised. If it means getting rid of Trump, they will compromise American safety to get rid of him. They would would rather have that than have Donald Trump be reelected and have the American people be secure and safer. Listen to those, those
3: that last part again. Construction of a 630-mile border fence, or 630 miles of border fence, that create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. A significant barrier to
4: illegal immigration on our southern land border. That's Chuck Schumer in 2009. But we don't even have to go all the way back to then. To really understand the hypocrisy of Chuck Schumer. We don't. In in fact, just one year ago, literally, last January, January of twenty eighteen, Chuck Schumer declared that he was willing to fund a wall as long as he got DACA recipients some protections. He's willing to fund the wall, said Chuck Schumer as long as DACA recipients are protected. Listen to him again. This is literally just one year ago. Chuck Schumer. Unfortunately, it doesn't want to play right now. I don't know why. My apologies for that. Let me try it one more time here.
3: I sat down with President Trump on Friday and offered him quite a bit uh... A, he made an offer for a wall i said if we do full dreamers we will give you the deal and he basically agreed so we were close then he pulled out and backed off so now i've taken the wall off the table because they backed out of that deal
4: i don't know how many times a politician like chuck schumer is allowed to lie to the american people in such ways without being held accountable for it. donald trump on numerous occasions by way of Twitter, and by way of uh, spoken word statements to the press. Donald Trump last year, on multiple occasions, offered a four-point plan. He'll, he'll greenlight not only amnesty for the 700,000 DACA recipients, but nearly triple it to 1.8 million to include all DACA recipients and DACA-aged Illegal immigrants who came here as children, but who did not sign up for DACA. He's willing to even give them the benefit of the doubt and let them become legalized in exchange for wall funding, and I believe it was E-Verify, being implemented mandatory across the country, and an end to chain migration. Chuck Schumer wants you to believe that he was willing to fund the wall but Trump pulled that off the table. No he didn't. Trump even expanded the DACA protections. It is he, Schumer, who knows full well this is about 2020, not about national security, not about 2019, not about borders, not about DACA kids. It's about 2020. If Trump gets to put a check mark in a box in a column under promises kept, And that check mark is next to border wall secured, he'll win re election. He'll be able to say, I out negotiated the Democrats, and he'll get re elected. Schumer will not let him be out negotiated. He will not let him have his wall, even though he, Schumer himself, admitted that the border security wall works that it would be a significant barrier to stopping future illegal immigration in this country, which he
3: said is extraordinarily important. Field field agents in the last four years. Construction of a 630-mile border fence, or 630 miles of border fence, that create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border.
4: Play that on live television, Mr. President, for the whole world to hear. And then watch how fast the American people demand Chuck Schumer relent. We're back after this. Final check of traffic on AM 1420. The answer. We can change the world. Final segment of the Bob France Authority 1054. Uh, I want to squeeze in a phone call then. I want to get to that Romney story to wrap today. Andy in Middleburg Heights, though, has been waiting, and so I want to bring him on now. Andy, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go ahead.
5: Good morning, sir. Uh, Good happy morning. to you and your family, and uh, don't lose your focus, my friend. You know what? At 78 years old, you're going to cause me to go on blood pressure pills because before <laughs> I take my blood pressure before you and after your program, it's 40 points higher. But I appreciate what you do. Do not, please, do not lose your focus. You are the only one. That I know of, and we listen to radio all day. You're the only one that's focused on this, and you started my New Year's off right. Please, you got 110 minutes every day. Take five minutes of that. Play Pelosi, Obama, and Schumer talking about putting up a wall and shove it right up there behind. I mean, this—you got you're spot on with this thing, man. Don't lose focus, please. Don't do that. And that—that's all I have to say. And my God, God bless you for what you do. Uh, I, I like your aggressiveness. Too bad the Republicans don't have the gonads to do the same thing you are. And with that, sir, uh, thank you very much. Keep well, listening.
4: well, Andy, God bless you and your family and a very happy and healthy 2019 to you as well. And thank you for the kind words. Uh, no, I don't intend to stop. I don't intend to lose my focus or my passion for this. I do intend, uh, to try to spread the, the word a little bit further. Uh, I'm going to be sitting in for Hugh Hewitt a little bit next week again. I want to try to take this message to the national. Not that Hugh doesn't already. Of course he does. So I'm honored to sit in for him and be able to, to, to kind of continue that. But, um, but I want to get this message to as many people as possible that the president needs to get this message. I need to reach people who have the president's ear, and I'm trying my very best to do that. The president could advance his cause and thus the country's cause so much if he would just get on television and, and present all of this in a really well-planned, orchestrated, message-disciplined way rather than in a series of tweets that may or may not sometimes be... Oh, let's say just say grammatically sound enough to have an impact. All right. Trying to be respectful here. Uh, He can do this if he really brings this message to the American people front and center. Uh, Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, I want to share some of this. Mitt Romney. On his way to the United States Senate, he'll be uh, sworn in tomorrow. He will be uh, the next senator from Utah, and he's going to replace, not literally, because Jeff Flake is Arizona, but he's going to replace the likes of Jeff Flake and John McCain and Bob Corker as a rhino in residence opposing President Trump. How do we know? Because before he even took office, yesterday, for the Washington Post, the liberal rag Washington Post, he wrote an op-ed destroying Donald Trump for his character flaws. Listen to some of what the president has to put up with here. It is well known that Donald Trump was not my choice for the Republican presidential nomination, writes Romney. After he became the nominee, I hoped his campaign would refrain from resentment and name-calling. It did not. When he won the election, I hoped he would rise to the occasion. On balance, his conduct over the past two years, particularly his actions this month, is evidence that the president has not risen to the mantle of the office. Now, as you continue listening to this, Tell me if you don't hear the same thing I hear. Tell me if you don't hear a campaign speech. Tell me if you don't hear a man who's preparing to primary challenge the president for the GOP nomination in 2020. Continuing, Romney says, to a degree, a presidency shapes the public character of the nation. A president should unite us and inspire us to follow our better angels. A president should demonstrate the essential qualities of honesty and integrity and elevate the national discourse with comedy and mutual respect. Presidential leadership in qualities of character is indispensable. And it is in this province where the incumbent's shortfall has been most glaring. Why is he calling him an incumbent? He's not running against him. And it's not even the season yet. It's still just... Starting year three. Does this not sound like Romney wants to be president? He went on to point out that, quote, in a 2016 Pew Research poll, 84% of the people in Germany, Britain, France, Canada, and Sweden believe the American president would do the right thing in world affairs. One year later, that number has fallen to 16%. Why do we care what the people in any of those countries think? The president has followed true to his word and implemented an America First policy. And people like Romney, a globalist if ever there was one, is more concerned with how popular the president is in Paris after getting out of the Paris Climate Accords. Think about all of this. Well, I want to give the president kudos. Earlier today, Ryan Morrow said the president doesn't respond to anything in a measured way. The president is always over the top one way or the other. I want to give the president credit because it's not true. Today, he responded to Mitt Romney in a measured way. Here we go Mitt Romney, he said, but so fast. Question will be, is he a flake? I hope not. Would much prefer that Mitt t- touch on border security and so many other things where he can be helpful. I won big, and he didn't. He should be happy for all Republicans, be a team player, and win. That is a presidential response. That's all the time I've got. Gallagher's next, right here on AM 1420, the answer. Enjoy the silence.